Today is the January 16th, 2022 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Steve Hogan's message is titled, Godly Attitudes, Part 1. If you'd like to give to our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. Thank you. Our scripture reading this morning is going to be found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 15. We're reading the first 21 verses. Um, if you'd like to read along, there should be a Bible in the pew in front of you, or if you brought one of your own, or if you want to simply sit and listen to the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 to 21. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion is in the house of the righteous. But trouble is in the income of the wicked. Excuse me, great is the wealth in the, is in the house of the righteous, but trouble is in the house, the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves one who pursues righteousness. Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. Sheol and Abaddon lie upon before the Lord, lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. A scoffer does not love one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face, but when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on folly. All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and turmoil with it. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. The way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight. Father, as we look at these opposites, as Solomon wrote and shared, we recognize both of those in our lives. I have been foolish and I have been wise. I have seen all of these truths at work in my life. I've seen when I have trusted you and believed you and obeyed you and felt the peace and the joy and you're leading in all of those things. And I have sinned against you and, and gone my own way or thought that I was smarter than you and I could do better than you and found the folly of that uh, 
and the sadness and calamity that follows. We need your spirit to remind us of that constantly. I need your spirit to show me when I'm fixing to do something foolish and to remind me of your word that I've hidden in my heart, what the right path is, what the wise way is, what the way of peace and joy. Help me to be content with the life that you've given me right now, the things you set before me. I may not be rich, I may not be poor. You've given me exactly what I need and I need to be grateful and thankful and satisfied with the things that you bring before me and give you the praise and honor and recognition for them. Just pray that your spirit would use the words today to make us wiser, make us more in tune with you, make us more desirous of loving you and serving you and living for you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Glad you could be here this morning at Hope Bible Church. You made it through the storm. How many of you woke up about 5 o'clock this morning and heard some thunder? And That's right. That's right. It came through. I'm glad it's over. About a few days ago, we thought it might be happening during church time. And glad that it's over. God, glad we got some rain. Here at Hope Bible Church, we really focus on three different subjects. Knowing Christ, that is how to be saved. Growing in Christ, our life here on earth as Christians. And being with Christ in heaven. That's really it. Uh, the songs we sang, interesting enough, this, just this morning here, four out of five are on growing in Christ. The one, how great the Father's love for us is about knowing Christ, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal song. And so that's just what we do. Um, a few weeks from now, I'll be looking at some verses in the Gospel of John, really the Gospel and the Gospel of John, about how to know Christ. Typically, though, we focus on growing in Christ. That's our main primary messages as we hear at Hope Bible Church, and so too today. Last week, we talked about different commands, truths, and principles that are essential for our lives as Christians. As we start this new year, it's good to remind ourselves of them and renew our commitment to do them, to carry them out. Today, I want to look at different character qualities that God wants us to have. Oftentimes, as people, as, as Christians, we call these character qualities attitudes that we need to know and understand so we can be and do what God wants. So we have a, a number here we want to look at. I'm convinced that these are really all essential for our, our lives. First one, be wise. Be wise. As the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding, then you'll discern righteousness, justice, equity, and every good course. Being wise means you know what is right and you do what is right. That is, it is applied knowledge. Not just knowledge, not just what you know in your head, but also in your heart, and then it's lived out in your life. And, and knowledge, this, this knowledge and wisdom comes from God's word. It's what's, it's what's from his word. That is God's knowledge, his wisdom from his word is what makes you wise, gives you wisdom. I want you to turn in your Bibles and we'll look at just a few verses. Steve uh, read from Proverbs and one reason is it right, relates to this first subject right here, being wise. Uh, and there's so much in uh, Proverbs. But chapter 2 and just the first six verses, it talks about how to get this wisdom. It's very important how to get this wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, it says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. 
For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you'll discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's, it's a heart that wants to know God, a heart that is, is looking at his word and is seeking and praying and crying out and really wanting. So the, the key here is this, if you want wisdom, God will give it to you. But it's a matter of wanting that, being desperate for that. There's so many things we can have in this world, but this wisdom is one of the most important things. Now, if you are, are if, if you are wise, you you basically know what you should say or do. You you uh, in a particular situation, you understand the right course of action. If there's a choice between doing what is good and what is best, you know what is best. Turn to Philippians chapter one, verses nine to eleven mentions this here. And it's a prayer of Paul's, and it's a good prayer because in life there's oftentimes lots of different choices we can make every, every day of the week. And it, it's learning then to do what is best, and that means having wisdom. Chapter 1, verse 9, it says, And this I pray, that your love may abound more, still more and more, in real knowledge and all discernment. That discernment's a key word there. So that you may approve the things that are excellent or best, in order that to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. There's no doubt that our lives are defined by the decisions that we make, and that relates to having wisdom. And that's it. How is a person's life defined? Is he making the right choices? Is he doing what's right? And that, again, is based on wisdom. Wisdom is something you learn over time. A young person's not usually wise. Most young people are naive. And some are foolish, sad to say. But as a young person, that should be his goal. In fact, that was the goal of, of, of why Solomon wrote uh, Proverbs, so that young people, young men, could become wise. How do you get wisdom? You get wisdom as you're in God's Word, as I just mentioned. You get wisdom as you're with older people who are more mature. I might have said this in the past, but my grandfather, back in the 60s and 70s, I heard him say it so many times, you want to spend time with those people who are older and who have done well. My grandfather did well. He was quite successful as a, as a person who just went to sixth or seventh grade, but, but he had wisdom. I'm not saying he was say, but he had that practical wisdom, and he hung out with wise people. You also gain wisdom as you learn from your mistakes and also learn from the mistakes of others. Very important. Be watching, learning from... What did I do? What shouldn't I have done? What did others do? And that was a mistake. You learn from that. You gain wisdom when you ask God for wisdom. We know the story in 1 Kings chapter 3, and I'm not going to read it, but you can go back there, verses 7 through 12. It's when Solomon is asking God for wisdom, and God gives it to him. And he was the most wise person in the whole face of the earth at that time. Amazing to read about him. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom relates to how we see the Lord and respond to him and respect him and fear him and submit to him in our hearts. That leads us to the next one, be humble. Humble comes from a word that means being lowly. It means you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. You're not arrogant. You're not proud. It means you don't think of yourself as being more important than others. It means you don't think of others as being less important than you. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind consider others as being more important than yourselves. Philippians 2, 4 says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. The humble person is thinking about others. 
and their needs. I mean, oftentimes we're focused on ourselves, and I'm not saying we don't need to think about what we're going through and meeting our needs. That's true. But the home person's thinking about others and their needs. And when he's with them, he's not just talking about himself, but he's talking about them and what they're going through. He is thinking about others. A humble person then is a servant. He's the one who serves. Jesus, Luke 22, said this to the disciples, I am among you as one who serves. His whole life, his whole ministry is defined as being a servant. I am among you as one who serves. There's an individual, many of you know him, most all of you know him here, Marvel Rosenthal. He passed away this past week. He was 86. He'd been in declining health the last couple of years or so. But he went to be at the Lord, and, and the hope that he talked about so much was realized. I'm really thankful um, for him and his ministry to us because he came here, I don't know how many years in a row, 8, 10, 12 years in a row. But you know what he said about what he wanted to be known as? He said, I want to be known as a servant of God, a servant of God. In fact, I'm hoping to write a post this week about him, call it Marv Rosenthal, a servant of God, because indeed he was a servant of God. Humble person's also a learner. Psalm 25.10 says he teaches the humble his ways. You can't really learn from God if you're proud, if you think you know it all. Humble person's a learner. He's not a know-it-all. He learns from God. He learns from God's word. And again, he learns from others. And he learns from the trials that he goes through. This important verse here, Psalm 119.71 says this, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your statutes. So whenever you're going through a trial, that's what afflicted means. Say, God, what are you trying to teach me? It should be one of the top things you're thinking, oh, what do I do now? God, what are you trying to teach me? Because every time you're afflicted, there's something he's trying to teach you. It's good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your statutes. The next one is be courageous. This character quality is very important. Being courageous. A courageous person does what is right despite fears or worries. And everybody has fears. Everybody. No matter what they look like, what they say, how they act, everybody in the whole wide world has fears. It's interesting. There's this phrase, or it's equivalent, do not fear, that appears 365 times in the Bible. Does that mean it's important? You bet it is. Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. God keeps telling you not to fear. God wants you to know that you'll face obstacles, you'll face opposition from people and from the devil, and you need to learn to do what is right. If you don't, you'll have fears, and you may give in to your fears and not do what you should do, not do what is right, maybe even do what is wrong. God wants you to learn to do what is right, to carry out his will, regardless of your fears, regardless of how you feel. All of you here, at least to some degree, know what I'm talking about here. Yep, I've had fears. Are you going to do what is right no matter how you feel, no matter the fears you have? You know, a classic example is Joshua. Well, you know the story of Joshua, go back to Joshua chapter 1 through 10, where some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. What just happened, we see this in the last chapter in Deuteronomy, the first chapter of Joshua, is that Moses died. Moses, the servant of God, in fact, the servant of God died. And Joshua took over, okay? He had been with them. You know, he knew Moses well, but he took over. But think about the daunting task this was. There's two things he had to do, okay? First, two million people or so, approximately number of men, women, and children, he had to lead. He saw what Moses went through, how the people were just <laughs> really grumblers and complainers and arrogant at times, just really hard to lead. He had to lead these people. But the other thing, the immediate thing in Joshua 1 is what? 
They're right at the edge of the promised land. He was to be the commander-in-chief. He was to lead the armies, the Jewish armies, into battle and defeat the enemy. Any, any commander, any time you go into war, you're a soldier. This, well, this is going to be fearful. And so what does God say? Do not, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So you read chapters 1 through 10, a wonderful, wonderful selection of verses there about how he defeated the enemies. They were 31 and 1. The one they battled, they lost. It was the battle of Achan with Achan in, in chapter 7. It was Achan's sin. Uh, I think it was Ai. And they lost that one. They came back and defeated them a second time. But 31 and 1 was his record because I believe he was to some degree fearful. And God said, hey, do not tremble. Do not be dismayed. Be strong and be courageous. And that's what he was. So we have that example from Joshua. Courageous people may have fears. They may not feel courageous. But they go ahead and do what God wants. And God oftentimes then changes how they feel as they are doing what God wants them to do. That as you do what is right, and you may have fears, and God oftentimes helps you then as you're doing what he wants you to do. He gives you that strength. He gives you that courage. So again, for the fearful person, begin. Start doing what God wants. Sometimes he takes away, sometimes he doesn't. But God wants you to be strong and courageous. How does a person get courage? Ask God to give it to you. Pray. First thing. Secondly, know that God is with you. That classic verse, Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, I am with you. The Lord is with you through his Holy Spirit. Know this, that you're a child of God. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John chapter 4. You're a child of God. You have nothing to fear. Don't you think the Lord's going to take care of you and watch over you? Another thing is, is do what is right. If you're doing what is right, no need to fear. What's it say in Proverbs 28.1? The righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are courageous, have nothing to fear. If you have doing what's right, you don't need to be intimidated. You don't need to be fearful. Of course, you want to learn from the examples of others. Many in the Bible. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 13. I, I love these here. The example of Paul is, is, is so instructive. Acts 13 um, we'll just look at a few, 48 to 51. Paul was preaching. It says, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as it had been appointed to eternal life believed. The word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. Paul says, okay. They persecuted, so what? Go on, the final verse. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We continue in Acts 14, 5, and 6. Start four, verse four. The people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Laconia, Lystra, and Derby and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. It's courage. They didn't stop. One final one there, chapter, same chapter. Um, Verse 19, 
Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having won over the crowds. They stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derby. He kept going. Classic examples of being courageous in spite of difficulty, in spite of persecution. So that one, being courageous. Next, be positive. Back 1973, I was selling books in Western Kentucky near Bowling Green, and we had these, we had these meetings on Sunday morning. We, you know, you work six days a week basically, and I was working 80 hours a week. It was it was rough. You're done at 9:30 on Saturday night. You got to get ready. You got to do your books. You got to get cleaned up. Uh, our meeting was in Nashville, so I had to drive from Bowling Green basically to Nashville every Sunday morning and be there at eight o'clock. It was grueling. Okay, so the first thing you get there. Yeah, there's a little cheer, a little chant you're supposed to say. You know what it was? I feel healthy. I feel happy. I feel terrific. And you're so dragged out, you just feel exhausted. <laughs> but they do that. You understand that in sales. If you go to some sales meeting or sales school, they'll have these different ways to get your attitude. You know, they had all kinds of other things. I can tell you so many stories about how they wanted to make you positive. But I'm talking about a Christian. Positive Christian is optimistic. He's expecting good things to happen. He's not negative. He's not complaining. A positive person sees problems. He knows things may be difficult, but he really believes that all things are going to turn out for good, that everything's going to be all right. He's, he knows the skies are cloudy, but he knows that the sun is still shining. A positive person, again, I'm talking about a positive Christian, knows that God is good, that God is in charge, and that God is sovereign. And a positive person, one, ultimately then has faith. In God, he's trusting God. He's not trusting himself. He believes then that God's going to work things out for good. It's all going to turn out for good in the end. That's what he believes. Psalm 85, 12 says this. It says, indeed, the Lord will give it as good, and our land will yield its, 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 its fruit. And so, the part, again, the positive person is trusting in God. He sees God himself in charge. Mordecai, I'm reading through Esther, was a positive person. You know the story there about how Haman and and was getting all these people stirred up to try to kill the Jews in the kingdom there at that time. Xerxes was the king, and, and he's, he's talking to Esther, and he has this line here, and let me read this. He says, if you, re, if you remain silent, um, relief uh, for the Jews will come from another place. So he was positive. Esther, his cousin, if you remain silent, relief will come from some other place. If you don't do it, God's going to come through. He was sort of hoping Esther would, and she did come through for him, but he was positive. I want you to turn to Luke, this example from Jesus, which shows both courage and this right attitude, this example of Jesus. One of my favorite ones here, Luke 13, 32 to 33. Verse 31, just at that time, some Pharisees approached, saying to Jesus, go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow on the third day I reach my goal. Nevertheless, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day, for it cannot be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. There is no doubt that Jesus was always a positive person, always trusting in his Father, always courageous, always continuing on. We, we don't know the half of what he went through in terms of the persecution, the suffering, the things that were said to him. 
and he kept going. He was a positive person. He was looking to the Lord. Next one is this, be patient. Word patient means abiding under or bearing up under. Abiding under, bearing up under. Bad things may be happening. There may be trials and difficulties. Some kind of conflict is going on, but you're patient. You're bearing up under the difficulty, the problem. There's the, there's the pressure. There's the weight that you're facing, the trial that you're going through, or some kind of sickness that maybe is a chronic sickness and is not letting up, but you bear up. You don't give up. You don't try to get out of the situation. You don't quit. You don't get mad. You maintain a positive and godly attitude. You're patient. Being patient is based on faith. You're trusting God. You believe, again, that he is in control and that he is sovereign, that somehow he's going to help you get through whatever you're going through. James 1, 2 says, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith producing, produces endurance. When you're going through some trial, God's testing you, and God wants your faith to grow, and God wants you to be more patient. That is what's happening. Having faith and being patient then results in endurance. That is, you're learning to persevere in spite of the difficulty. Always remember that as Christians, again, you're going through some trial difficulty. God is teaching to trust him, to be patient, to bear up under it. And you can because the Lord is with you. Steve mentioned that verse, one of my favorites, this kind of subject, Psalm 18.1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is your strength. You can't make it yourself, but the Lord is your strength. Being patient with people requires faith in God, right? But there's one more thing it requires. It means you need to love the person. Being a patient person with people is, on one hand, the vertical. Vertical is trusting God, getting strength from him, and the horizontal, loving that person. A person who's not patient really doesn't love the person, okay? And an impatient person is hard to get along with. He gets angry, he gets annoyed, he gets upset, and he oftentimes tries to get back at the other person. That's what he tries to do. That's an impatient person. God says to be patient. You all know this, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. This whole list of, of words that describe what love is like, all these facets of love. What's the first one? What is the first one? Love is patient. Patient. Whether it's with people or going through the trial, it is so so, so important to be one who then is patient. Next, be attentive. This means you're watchful. You're alert. You're aware of what's going on. You notice things. You use your eyes, your ears, along with the wisdom in your heart, and you are not oblivious to what is taking place. Now, if you're a good driver, this is a simple example. If you're a good driver, you're attentive, right? You're watching the other cars around you. You know what the signs are saying, the green, yellow, red signs. You know you know the road signs. Uh, you know what, how fast you're going. You're not being distracted by things on the side of the road. I mean, I've been distracted sometimes. Don't be distracted. You know, not distracted by what's on the radio or some other thing that you're listening to, some music or song you might be listening. Not distracted. You are attentive to what's going on. Absolutely essential. You all know that. We're talking here as Christians being attentive, and, and particularly spiritually so, Example here is, is, is being attentive to other people. 
So you might see somebody and you notice that their countenance, their facial expression is one of sadness. I mean, it's pretty easy to see. You can tell when people are down and discouraged. I mean, usually you can, not always, but oftentimes you can. But you notice that and you see that. That's, that's important. You see that with that person. Or it, 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 it may be that you notice some kind of sin. Aware of some kind of sin in their life, you're attentive, and you then help them. This, this goes back to Galatians chapter 6. You help them to get out of that sinful situation, whatever it might be. They also relate to what's going on in the world around you. You see what's happening in the culture. You understand what laws are being passed that affect you and the people that you're with, or what policies are being enacted, or what they're teaching the children in school. It's very interesting. This last year, a lot of, of parents with, with the COVID, their kids at home, started realizing, wow, they're teaching that at school. It's important to be attentive. As Christians, we're to be ones who are watchmen, attentive to what is going on in the world, and especially now that we live in the end times. I love it, it says in, 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 in Ezekiel 3, Son of man, I've appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. In the church here, we need Watchmen, we need watchmen. This verse you've heard me say a number of times, First Chronicles twelve thirty-two. The men of Issachar understood the times and knew what they should do. They understood. They were watching and listening and hearing and understood. And okay, how does that relate to us? What should we do? This verse in First Thessalonians five: We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do but let us be alert and sober. Alert and sober. Be attentive. Again, use the eyes and the ears and the wisdom that God's put in your heart to be attentive. God wants that for all of us here. Next, be loyal. I'm talking first here about being loyal to people. It means continuing on with people, staying with people, sticking with people, even though they may disappoint you. Even though at times they do things that you wish they did not do means being faithful to them, being committed to them over, the, over time and through the years. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. It's a pretty impressive example that's given here of, of Paul with Timothy. Philippians 2 verse 19 Paul is talking, of course, here he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. I have no one else of kindred spirit who will generally be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their, after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus, but you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. So Timothy was loyal. Very, very loyal. And, and as, as people, it's good to have people that are loyal to you, but you want to make it your goal, objective, be loyal to others. And again, you, you, we all know that you can't have 50 different friends. You can only really have two or three that you're really close to, maybe four. You just can't. But the point is, in general, God wants us to be ones who are loyal. It's an important ingredient for, for true and lasting friendships. You've heard that phrase, a fair weather friend. A loyal person stays with you through thick and thin, through conflict and problems, and even, even at times when there's disagreements. 
loyal person is one who's loving. He's loyal because he's loving, he's forgiving, he's patient, and he's forbearing. Those four different words help a person be loyal. He's forbearing and forgiving and, 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 and patient. In the church setting, we need loyalty. We need loyalty in the church, whether it's to individual believers, whether it's to the leaders, or whether it's just to the church in general. That is, this is my church. I'm committed to this church, Hope Bible Church. We need to say that. And I will say this here, and I won't say names. I, I, maybe I should, but I won't, because sometimes people don't like me to say names. There's, there's a handful of people here that have been in this church for 20, 25, 30, and even 35 years. I mean, wow. Loyal, loyal, loyal. So encouraging to see that. The loyalty, the commitment through the years. That's indeed what God wants. Next, be faithful. This is similar to being loyal, and we talk about being loyal to people, but God also wants to be loyal to a task, to some responsibility that you're to carry out. That is, God wants you to keep doing it until it gets done. We all understand work situations. All of you, I assume, have worked at places, and you go to work. Go to work every day, day after day, week after week, year after year. You get tired. Sometimes you're bored. Sometimes it's repetitious. Sometimes you don't like what you're doing. But you learn to keep going, to not give up, to not throw in the towel, no matter how things are, no matter what kind of people you work with, no matter what happens, no matter what your assignment, you keep going. You're loyal. You're faithful. And I tell you this. It's the one thing I've seen about our country in the last four, five, six, seven, eight years is people just aren't loyal as much, whether it's to people or whether it's to a job. They just aren't. They just have a hard time of being loyal and faithful and committed through time. But God wants us as Christians. And let me tell you something. You're loyal. You're faithful. You're committed. You keep going to work. You keep doing what you're supposed to do, and people see it. You're being a good witness when you're loyal, when you're faithful, whether it's to a person or to a task. So this is important, then. For in life, we, we face spiritual battles. We struggle. As I said, we get tired. And that's one of the harder things. When you get older, you get tired. It's, man, it's just hard to keep going. It takes an extra special grace to be faithful when you're older and you're getting tired or you may not feel good. Or you got some little ailment that's nickel and dime in you. And that happens to older people. And younger people don't understand that. I talked to one person. She's in, she in our church. and Not here today, but um, this is a few years ago. She said she had 30 different things she counted that were wrong with her. 30 different little things, nickel and dime in her, Okay. And that happens, okay? It's just, now God's going to help me. I keep going. God gives you the grace, and he does. We don't give up. We don't quit. Philippians 1, turn this, turn well, if you're in Philippians, just go back a page. You may be on the same page. Philippians 1, we see here the, the loyalty and the faithfulness of Paul. For to me, to live as Christ, to die as gain, if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will be fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for, all, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Paul was so loyal so committed, so faithful to the people that he was with, and we see that right there. Next, be holy. Be holy. 
Be holy is, being holy is one of the most important character qualities that God wants you to have as a Christian. Isaiah 6 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 1 Peter 1.16, God says to us, you shall be holy for I am holy. Being holy means you're being godly, means you're being more like God. As, as Christians, we're saved and, and, and God our Father then wants us to be ones who are holy. He wants us not to be ones who are affected and tainted then by the, the sins of the world, by fear or pride or by anger or selfishness, impurity, laziness, whatever it might be. He wants us to be holy and God blesses those who are holy and those who aren't holy. He can't bless you like he wants to. Simple verse, the first, first phrase of Psalm 119, that long chapter about the truth and God's word, says, how blessed are those whose ways are blameless or holy. God will bless you. You'll be blessed if you are holy, if you learn then to say no to sin and temptation. Psalm 119, verse 132 tells us how to pray with regards to sin. Establish my footsteps in your word and let not, not let and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. Good prayer. 1 John 1, 9 tells us what happens when we confess our sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I can't stress enough the importance of being holy. Holy in your thoughts, that's where it starts. Holy in your words and holy in your actions. And this pleases God. That's the most important thing. That's what it should be. Most importantly in life, I want to please God. You should want to please God. It pleases God. It helps you be a good witness to the lost. It helps you be a good example to the saved. And it's also essential for you to be able to do the work of God. I've read, I think I read this verse last week, so I'm going to read it again. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, 21, about how God uses clean vessels. You all know this. I said it before. You go home today. I assume you're all going to have lunch or supper, right? You use clean dishes, right? You all use clean dishes? Okay. God uses clean vessels. Every time you have a meal, think about that. I'm using a clean dish. Am I a clean vessel that can be used by God? So important, a clean vessel for the Lord. Final one today, and we're going to talk about some more of these next week. There's a number of these. Be kind. Be kind is one major way that we show people that we love them. We, we mentioned 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. That first phrase is love is patient. You all know this. What's the second phrase? Love is kind. Being kind has to do with our relationships that you, uh, how you treat people when you are with them. Colossians 3.12, put on a heart of kindness, that is, it starts in your heart. A kind person is, is one who is good to others. He's nice to others. He's, he's, he's gracious to others. He's pleasant to others. He gives to others. He, he just, he's just a nice person. Kind people are nice people. You can say it that way. A kind person is not being mean to others. A kind person wants to help others. He doesn't want to hurt others. A kind person is not selfish. He is other or others oriented, wanting to be wanting to be one who blesses others and brings a blessing to the lives of other people. That's what he wants to do. It may be seen in that in, in what he says. That is, our kindness is oftentimes seen in the words that we say. I mean, you can compliment somebody for, for how they look, their, their, their hair, or their outfit. That's fine. Being kindness is, is oftentimes seen when you're friendly to somebody. You're being friendly. Being kind uh, can be seen um, when you just give thanks. Just give thanks to somebody for what they've done. That's being kind to them. 
Or they prepare a meal and bring a meal here and a Matthew meal. And that was a good meal. That's being kind. Kind with your words. Very important. Proverbs 16.24. Pleasant words are like honey. Sweet to the soul. Pleasant words or kind words are like honey. Sweet to the soul. You all know this. You all know people that are very kind. And that doesn't, that doesn't make you feel good. That's what God wants us to be with us, to be kind to them. Being kind might be seen as something that you do for something or something you say for somebody, say, say to somebody. Um, let's, let, let, let's, let's say you go out to eat and the other person pays for the meal. That person's being kind, okay? Let's say somebody is sick. You send them a card or you give them a call or send them a text or an email. That's being kind. And there are so many ways to be kind. And I want to encourage you with this. How can I be kind to that person? It relates to being nice and pleasant in your words or speech. It relates to giving them things too. It might be money. It might be some physical good. Think of how you can be kind because, and I can't remember the exact verse now, but some verse in the New Testament says that, that if we have opportunity to do good, we need to do it. If you have the opportunity, and God gives us opportunities really on a regular basis, you're in it with other people, and if you have an opportunity to do good, and you can do something, do it. Do it. Man's gift makes room for him. Now, being kind often has to do with, with giving something to someone or doing something for someone, and they don't deserve it. We know the verses in, I think it's Matthew 5, Luke 6 as well, that there are evil people out there and, you know, we know how to give good things to good people, right? Oh, they're nice to me. I'm going to be nice to them back. We all understand that. The whole idea is, is oftentimes we need to be kind to those who aren't very kind to us. That is, love those who are evil. And, of course, was this how God was with us? We were evil. We were sinners. That song we sang earlier. And yet God was kind for God so loved the world that he gave us his son. So we're talking then about the kind of attitudes, the character qualities that God wants us to have. We talked about being wise and being humble and being courageous, being positive, being patient, being attentive, being ones who are loyal and faithful and holy and kind. Again, I've, I've gone over these. It's more of a, a quick way, but there's, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about here on Sunday mornings, okay? I could take a whole message for each one. I'm not, I can't do it. I don't want to do that. I got some. These PDFs are back there on the table like last week. If you want the notes, they're right there. You can pick them up. My notes here are back there. Except for my notes, I, I got all kinds of scribblings that you won't get that I go over and I write other things in there. But, but the point is, it's, it's there for you. One thing I need to say as we close here, one thing I have to say, you can only have these qualities by the grace of God. You might feel, man, I can do this. You can't do it. You can do nothing on your own. I love that verse of John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But through God and his grace, you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Acts chapter, excuse me, Philippians 4, 13. So having these qualities in your heart is a result of God through his spirit, supernaturally working in your heart, giving you the grace to be in the way that God wants. So as we close our time, you think, okay, there's some... I want to be more courageous or I want to be more kind, whatever. Pray this. You know, get verses on it. Say, God, help me. And he will. And you know what's going to happen when you pray it? <laughs> there will be opportunities, I am guarantee you, this week 
when you can be more patient or more courageous or whatever it might be. And so pray and ask God to help you grow in these areas, and then next week we will talk about some other ones as well. As I mentioned before, Marv Rosenthal, a dear friend, he was here many years, you know, year after year for like 10, 12 years in a row. So pray for his family and pray for the ministry. And of course, they knew that it was coming. He was older and things. But the funeral service is next Saturday, I believe at 10 o'clock. I'm not exactly sure where, but someplace over there in the Orlando area. And, and one more prayer request here, Diane McLaughlin, most of you know her here. She's having uh, laminectomy, lower back surgery tomorrow morning, I believe around 7, 30, 8 o'clock. So just keep her your, in your prayers as well. So let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this time here. We bless you for just who you are and Lord Jesus, all these character qualities that, that, that we talked about you had. Uh, Lord, you still have, of course, and we want to be ones who are Christ-like, like you, and help us, Lord. And we, and we know that you do this. You, you design our lives. Uh, our lives might seem sometimes haphazard to us, but they're not haphazard to you. Uh, you got things planned out. And the things that happen, the relationships we have, the work situation we have, the people we're with, the trials we go through, Lord, the family that we're in, it all relates to us growing in you. You want us to grow, and you're not, you're not sleeping in terms of, of helping us to grow. You're active in helping us to grow. Whether we realize it or not, you're active in helping us every day of the week. So ask you for continued grace and help, Lord. Help us to be ones here who are excited about growing in the way that you want. That's so important. This is our time now. This is our life on this earth, these few years that you've given us to serve you and help us to do what you want. And it all relates to this, this character, these attitudes that, that God, God, you want us to have. It relates to, of course, other things, but these are primary. So I ask you for that. Do you thank you for Marv Rosenthal? Pray for his, his family, his ministry, Lord, and that the service be a blessing to many. Indeed, he talks so much about hope. That was one of his main messages, Lord, and now he's experiencing that, Lord, being with you in heaven. What a wonderful thing. And do pray for Diane, too, Lord, that you would help her in her surgery. And, Lord, also just want to commit others that still aren't, aren't feeling well, Lord, number in our church. But we thank you again, and thank you for each one here. God, give us your grace and peace. Help us to keep on keeping on for you, Lord, to keep going, even though at times you do feel tired or discouraged, Lord, or have aches and pains, whatever they might be. Just thank you for this church here. Thank you for Bethel. Pray for your blessing upon them as well. Lead them. And use them, God, for your purposes and glory. But again, thank you now for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name.